this is David O, and you're on the D side. MNDR is a performer, singer, writer, producer, remixer. She plays bass, she plays keyboards. If it involves making music, she's there and she does it all and she is doing it all. She's worked with Mark Ronson, Kylie Minogue, Charlie XCX, uh, appeared on the Grammy-winning album Skin by Flume. Her album Feed Me Diamonds is still a vital listen, and her new album is waiting somewhat patiently for the right time to come into the world. Um, I talked to MNDR in March. The world was a different place then. We were barely starting to realize the toll that COVID-19 might take. So the first part of the podcast is from three months ago. So much happened in the months after we spoke that I reached out because I thought we needed to talk again and address things that were happening, especially in the U.S. So part one here is from March. The second part is a talk we had just a week ago in mid-June. So um, I wanted to talk, obviously, um, well, like I said, I've been a fan since like 2010. I remember waiting for Feed Me Diamonds. It seemed like it took forever for that to, <laughs> album to come out. But actually, I want to talk first about what kind of what you've been doing for the past, I don't know, eight years at least is the, the collaborations. Yeah. Tons of those. That has to be really inspiring to be with so many different people all the time. Yeah. You know, I just like after Feed Me Diamonds and doing the touring campaigns for that and, and uh, you know, kind of traversing the, the, um, the ins and outs of the record industry on, on that side as an artist, I like basically what kind of threw me into like that eight year span is um, after Feed Me Diamonds um, is Hurricane, another global event, <laughs> at least for, uh, Hurricane oh, Sandy. Yeah, you had like a, stu- a studio get like destroyed or something, right? Yeah, well, yeah, oh. it, it like. For yeah, Lori said we basically we had to move out and I and it was um and I just was like I because I had lived in California for before I moved to to New York and I just was like I'm gonna go to LA and write in January just like the studios not it's just gonna be cold like I'm just gonna go there it'll be nice we'll write hang out with friends and family and um so that's what I ended up doing and when I got there I ended up just getting like doing a lot of writing for other artists and I got a lot of cuts like the first two weeks which was really crazy and it's something I always wanted to uh, continue growing was like my collaborations with others for their albums as a producer top line writer um, executive producer and I'm kind of like the way I like maneuver my career is like, I don't, when I feel like I have some momentum in an area, I just kind of go with it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it has to be less pressure. Well, is it less pressure doing a collaboration and not being the literal face like of the music or? Um, No, it's way less pressure for sure. Because I don't have to worry about the videos or the assets. I mean, you can do it if you want to, but you also don't have to. Right. Yeah. And it also like, um, so while I was really busy working on other people's albums, like I got, I got really, really busy with that, with like Kylie Minogue, worked a lot on Rihanna, didn't get any, but I worked a lot on that, on that project. Um, 
obviously like Charlie XCX, like just tons of artists, like the feature world kept, really kept me in the narrative, which I really appreciated. And I was doing so much writing and sort of honing, honing my lyrics and writing, like getting good, good at writing songs, you know what I right. mean? Like not like just like a songwriter, you know, like, so. Do you ever feel I, like I'm giving my good stuff to other people? Like I want to get back and do me or is, is it exciting enough to keep doing that yeah i i totally approach some people feel that way i i don't i've rarely felt like this song uh i would love to keep this song. i always feel like there's another way to tell a story and there's always like another option like to you know what i mean like it but there are like songs on my upcoming album where i just like i'm the only one that i don't feel that way like i this is so personal to me yeah like i wouldn't let anyone have it just because it's M and DR is like a, a very emotionally exposing project for me. Yeah, know? and you don't always want to expose emotions, so give yeah. give some of those songs to other people. Well, and I know you've been doing the Instagram live stuff, talking about some and Pandora. The yeah. one I haven't heard about, you talked about Chemicals by Oliver, but the other song in there, Falling Back, I love that song. <laughs> Um, I, I, I want to see if you think I'm completely crazy, but I was listening to it the other day and I was like, I think this could go on the Pretty in Pink soundtrack with just some adjustment. It, it landed right in between New Order and OMD for me, but with your voice. So what do you think? Um, <laughs> Is that completely crazy? First of all, like you made, like in the midst of this wildness, you like made my weekend probably like my whole month. Cause like, first of all, like there's no, no two bands that have like influenced me more than like New Order and also OMD's Dazzle Ships is like one of my favorite oh. albums of all time. And, and, um, and uh, obviously their catalog, but I mean, that means a lot. Cause that also <laughs> that soundtrack, like mm -hmm. really defined like my most yeah. like angsty years as it did a lot of well with some very slight adjustment i think it would sound great on there so or maybe no adjustment um but another one okay so i have a friend that is an author and he just wrote a book on kylie minogue's whole discography and i wanted to ask i know you did one song for kiss me once but the sleepwalker ep that i don't really hear about and i it's probably one of the most exciting things she's ever done so you did one song with her and then they say wait come back and do this weird sort of one-off thing how what how that okay so that's one of the real like her project was real she just signed on to rock nation which is um jay-z's management company at the time i don't think she's there anymore this is way back when or i guess 2012 13 not yeah. that far but yeah so um she and i was working a lot with rock nation on their projects like rita Ora, rihanna beyond whatever beyond whatever they had over there and and um so but I was also working with Fernando Garibay, who's, who is Lady Gaga, you know, did uh, Born This Way, Lady Gaga. Did a lot on the first two, a lot on the second album, sorry. Um, and he's a producer in LA, he's amazing. And the way he kind of collaborates with writers is he finds one that he likes and he does a whole body of work with them, just with them or maybe another one for months. And so we wrote a song um, that she, that is on that, um, is waiting on that EP. Yeah, wait. Um, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, glow. Glow. 
some waiting break this heartbreak break break and then one of my my favorite is um chasing ghosts i love that one that's so different for her and even honestly for your sound it's even different for you like was that how'd that one fernando just like his his creative process was like really brought out another side of me and i and um so we were working with Kylie, like, I think for a month, like literally almost every day, like, and while she was making this album and, um, as those albums on big artists do, they take a lot of twists and turns. And then Sia ended up executive producing. And so the body of work, uh, I did with Fernando didn't make the album, but the other song, I had just done with another producer as a demo. Um, what is it called? I'm sorry, I can't remember. Uh, uh, the one that, from Sleepwalker? Or no, from her, the album, um, Kiss. Oh, Kiss, uh, uh, you did Lay Sex? Was... Yeah, Lay Sex. I did, I, and <laughs> that was just a random demo I submitted to them and she, and we cut, we recorded her, which was fun, but, yeah, so it was that album. I was essentially working on the album for her, but none of the Fernando Garibay stuff, which became the Sleepwalker EP, landed on the album. So that is how that happened. Well, I, I enjoy it. I love it. Um, unless I read incorrectly, after Feed Me Diamonds, there was talk of a concept album, which yes. Kimono was maybe going to be part of. Um, yes. Where did that concept go and why did it go away? It did. Or is it still around? It's the album that's coming up. Okay. Uh, so, out. Okay. Yeah. It so is. like Kimono is going to be on there and Gravity and. No. You don't actually, have to. You don't want to. No, 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 no. Actually, um, Kimono, I, I think, will be added, but Gravity was just kind of like a standalone I did with like one of my favorite producers in the world, Hudson Mohawk, like, and one of my good friends. But um, the, I did. I The album is. The concept album is done. Okay. Um, we've had to shift, um, ba- you know, based on where we're at in the world right now, we've shifted timelines, but we have a very dynamic, like, I mean, releasing music now is so visual and about online assets. It's like such a different space than Feed Me Diamonds that we really had to build the narrative in my social space and like, and all, all this stuff. But I, I know it sounds like really dorky, but I am so proud of this album. Like, I really feel like this album shows all the facets of all the music. Because I, I think sometimes people really like, she's electro pop, she's electro pop. I love electro. I mean, duh, I love it. But there's all these other facets. Like, I was a touring bass player in a lot of indie bands, punk bands, noise bands, like, and, and, um, I think this album shows everything I've wanted to show. So there's still a place in the world for albums, do you think? Because I know how you release music is even different than when you did Feed Me Diamonds. It's you can just throw out a single, do any, you know, a couple songs. An album is still important to me. Do you think, I mean, it's still valid, right? Yeah, absolutely. And And I think like, just like everything swings, like it's only singles and it's only... Like, no one cares, it's just singles, you know, that'll fly through the music industry and the music world. And then it, there's always a reaction to that where it's like yeah. album. Like I think like Vampire Weekend's new album, like that's a great album. 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like there's scissors. I like, I'm just thinking of like a lot of albums that are their yeah. bodies of work. They tell a story and well, people are having to say, please listen to the whole thing online. I can't remember who it was. I just saw release an album that she said, please don't just pick a song. You like listen to all of it at least a couple times. It's you have to tell people how to listen to whole albums nowadays too. Yeah, you do. And I think like, like the younger generation that grew up on or that are, you know, the, 15 to 22 like I think they're excited about albums yeah like when I work with artists that that they talk about albums you know what I mean and and everything swings like extremes I feel like now it's this and I'm making an album whatever (laughs) I made it do you have any clue like I was gonna say roughly like what within the year or do you have yes we were planning on releasing it in in um may so we're we're uh we're uh shifting all that with like the setup and and everything but we'll be releasing music i i was gonna release one of the dance floor records that i like love so much i did with um are you a scissor sisters fan oh yes okay so i just saw jake's uh jake did his first tour and he atlanta was one of the places he came to so. How great is that? Talk about an album. What a great album. Yes, you know yes. I mean? uh, I've, um, along with Peter Wade, who I always collaborate with, like, uh, you know, production and, and writing everything with MNDR, um, we brought in Baby, who's uh, Baby Daddy, Scott Hoffman's, like, my best friend on the planet. We do tons of projects together. And so Baby Daddy is, uh, Scott has produced, like, on almost every record. We really did the record, the three of us, together. Okay. And, and uh, I mean, which is just, he's such an amazing producer and artist. So along with Peter. So uh, this dance or single I wanted to release, it just wasn't right. I just felt yeah. like we're shift, like we're making a new plan right now because like on MDR albums, I think there's always something like, I just try to be, go to all the spots that are emotional inside of me, you know, yeah. so. Yeah. Okay, well, go. let's go back to Feed Me Diamonds then. Um, yeah, yeah. It feels like it was forever ago, but also when I listen to it, it's like still so brand new sounding. Thank like, you. Does it seem like forever ago to you? Yeah. Like that album? Like, is that a whole nother you? Yes. It. Um, yeah, I think it was like, I, I've just, re- you know, I didn't listen to it for like five years. <laughs> I don't think, you know, because like, and I recently listened to it and the thing I was like, the thing I'm most proud of of that whole album are the Sonics. And like, I get almost daily people talking about the Sonics of that record and how um, timeless. And that was really what it, I and Peter sought out to do was to make something that what, cause I think in electronic music, you can really play towards trends and the trends move so quickly, like EDM trends, or da, 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 or da, 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 which is fun to take those in as influences, but electronic albums that, that have a timeless sound are hard to yeah. do. And, and it makes me really happy that, to hear that when you listen to it, it makes you feel. Well, and like with, especially with your song Mars and Open, there is a bit of a softer sound coming out, like with, Burning Hearts was really sort of big and faster horses and all that. Is is that just the changing of your tastes or are you trying to, are you softer now? 
Um, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Like, uh, yeah, I think it's just like, I mean, I think like since I wrote Feed Me Diamonds, that album, I've probably written maybe 1,500 songs from then as a songwriter and like, like just, I don't know, a lot. Like, who knows? That seems, which is not unusual for a songwriter, just if that sounds insane to the podcast. There's people who write like, I don't know, 10, I mean, way more than I do. But um, yeah, I just think it's like the growing, I'm not super conscious of it, but I am in hindsight. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just like the growing and exploring like different parts. Cause, cause like, I also love like, Cat Power and I love like Yola Tango. I love Nico and I was and and these softer voices. Yeah. You know, um, and trying to I guess yeah, exploring some of that. Um, I don't think I found Draw the Curtains for a while after Feed Me Diamonds came out. And I remember whenever I found it, however I did, I tweeted you, I was like, why is this not on the album? And you said something along the lines of like, you just sometimes have to make hard choices. But then it ended up on the vinyl. So it did. What, I how, forgot about. Okay. <laughs> I know. I think you you reminded me. I'm like, oh my god, you're right. It is yeah. on the button. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which I didn't get. So, but yeah, I was like, it must be special if if it did end up on the album. So, you know what happened is it ended up on, as a bonus track on the Australian release. Okay. I don't right, know. If so, like a record company thing. They were like, we need bonus tracks that aren't in the U.S. territory. I can't remember. Okay, so here's the big thing for a lot of people to know about this. Your relationship with Nick Rhodes. Um, I think there was an interview in like 2010 from like Dazed Magazine where it was just you and Nick sitting there talking by the soundboard. Was that like really right when you first met him? Do you remember that interview? It was like, I don't know, 10 minutes long or something? I I remember that interview, but I met him before like when, when, um, because I... At that time, Bang Bang Bang, the Mark Ronson record with Q-Tip, um, the first single off his album record collection was, we were in, Mark asked me to join the band and do the campaign. And I was like, sure. And it was, but it, it was crazy because I was also touring as MNDR. It was a really wild couple of years because I was like all over the planet touring and two things I really insane but really fun anyways duran duran mark was um producing a duran duran album at the time and duran duran was also on record collection yeah and so we were rehearsing with them and doing like little shows where we would it would be like uh mark ronson the business international and duran duran doing shows together and they were or if they came and sang with us we were doing like Duran Duran songs in the Business International tour. I really wish you're we just could've... like sitting there on stage going, "Oh my God, that's Duran Duran on stage with me too." Dude, I was like, <laughs> it's like, like one hundred percent. I mean, before that, I'd done a lot of touring with the Shins. I had done stuff with the Yeah Yeah. Like, you know, I was like a hired person, right? No, I just would. It, it would just be like, 
hey, Mark would be like, hey, Duran Duran's coming in tomorrow. I need you to learn all the, the keyboard lines off of uh, the, the reflex or blah, blah, blah. And I would just be like, what, Duran Duran's coming in tomorrow? Like, they're coming in to rehearse? Right. <laughs> what? And I would just, and he's like, yeah, they're coming in to rehearse. You're going to sing backgrounds on girls on film and play the drum part here. Like, he would, but it was like, it was totally Like, normal. it's just a matter of fact. And you're like, there are actual people going to be standing in front of me is what, like, what my brain would have been doing. <laughs> yeah, I was like, and also, like, not in, like, a show space, you know, just, like, in a rehearsal, yeah. like, hey, blah, you know, like, having a cup of tea and, like, and also, like, he's like, oh, also, Boy George is coming in, and we're going to be doing Somebody to Love Me, you know? And I would just be like, Boy George is coming, what? And I, like, my mind was blown. So we met and rehearsed with them a lot. And I have to say, like, they're the nicest people on the planet. Like, every one of the Duran Duran members and everybody in the band and everyone in the crew are they seem they seem happy and they still seem to still yes. do it because they want to not because yes. they're chasing something you know they're just like people are like oh are they going to retire i'm like i don't think so i think it's just part of them they have to do it i'm going to 100 percent tell you this that and and this is what i've really taken away from like having the opportunity to to be around them and to work with them they love music I think you quit doing this when you hate, when you don't want to do music anymore. They love it. They like John and I talk about music, like new, he'd be like, did you check out this new record? Did you check out this? They absorb, consume music and art. And as much as we do. (laughs) Yes. And when they play a show, they're having the best time of their lives. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. They are not on the uh, greatest hits circuit. You know what I mean? Like, no. Even though they yeah, play yeah. their greatest hits, they have to to some degree, but they're not out there to just collect a check. They're still making it high, yeah. you know, high level. Definitely. Yeah. Well, okay. So I want to, let's, let's envision this. You're sitting around, you, <laughs> you get the phone call or the email and they not only, you know, you hung out with them before or whatever, but then they say, yeah now uh nick's gonna leave for a little while you actually we went to he picked you he picked you to go on stage what in the world happened to your brain when that happened i was like their manager called who who i'm friends with and um obviously through through their camp and i was it was weird i'd gone to the gym in la (laughs) i was like all sweaty after the gym and i'm like oh that's funny it's oh that would be wonder wonder what's going on with her and i like pick up the phone and and she, and she's all, hey, what are you doing like tomorrow? And I said, the next I two months. <laughs> it, it literally it was like tomorrow, and I was like, I don't know. And she's like, Nick, Nick has some some things he has to deal with immediately back in in, in the UK, and they're on a US Canadian tour. Uh, do you want to fill in for Nick? But you would have to start tomorrow, like under twenty four hours <laughs> in Chicago. And I was like. Like instantly you're like, yes, but also what in the hell, how could I possibly do this? Yeah, of course. I had to like, well, luckily, like we would do some of their songs, but not their set. I mean, they do an hour and 45 minute set. I mean, more, you know, Yeah. Uh, but I know all their music. Do you know what I mean? I know their music and I've, uh, but I, I'm not (laughs) Nick Rhodes. Well, like you said, it was, you hung out with them in a non-performance setting and yeah. now you're going to be full blast, full per- performance, 100, lights, camera, action. 
leaving LA to Chicago on stage less than 24 hours. Were you like, like listening to their live set the whole time or to prepare or? Well, I took a beat to be like, luckily I wasn't touring, right? Like, yeah. so I could do it. And I just took a beat, talked to my management and I was like, they're just like, do it. And I was like, woo, do it. I'm gonna do it. And then like, it's like, <laughs> and then, uh, what they sent me the set list and they're like he plays these leads on this and i ha i have his email and i i think i slept like an hour and i brought a little keyboard on the plane and in the hotel room and i just learned i just learned i learned it i, I and like i had really detailed notes on the uh, up there and I wrote, I wrote Nick and I was like, I think I, I think I have this like pretty much sorted. I, I was like, I've been up all night doing it. And he's like, you got this. Like, like, and then the band sat me down and we're just like, and I was like, I've learned da da da. And I showed them my notes and they're like, oh, you're awesome. We're so happy to have you. And how long were you with them? Do you remember how many shows or rough in a month or? I think two months. And then. And then I think I did some stuff around the hall. Yeah, I did like some one-offs with them as well. Because I think didn't Toki wants to do some shows, a couple shows too. Yeah, the one thing um, which was crazy because Jen to Toki Jen was opening for them, and I've done oh, okay. tons of collaborating with Toki Monster. Like she's one of my closest friends, colleagues in LA, and like we. Um, she also has a new album out and it's awesome. Plug, plug. But, uh, uh, so uh, my mom was having surgery and I was booked to like help her post surgery. So I had, I had to miss like three shows. Okay. And Jen did two, two or three and Jen, Jen filled in, which was. Well, well I wanted to do this. So which, which is scarier? I, like I said, I remember you opened in 2012 for them and it was basically, well, oh. no offense to Duran Duran's fans but they aren't the most interested in their opening acts usually they're they're there you know what i mean uh but it's you with some keyboards alone was that scarier or was stepping up on stage with them and the full band scarier they're both scary can i give you the highlights of the scary moments yes please um, <laughs> um i think like opening for them and just so you know i just want to say this this is how sweet they are we and now we've spent time off and on for a couple of years at that time right and like when i jumped on that tour they came into my dressing room like before the sh first show and we're all like we're so excited to have you and big hugs and like we're that like how cool is that right yeah so that took the nerves out because this is like a different venue space than i usually like play in or you know crowd wise for sure you know like yeah. they do you know like uh arenas so right filling the stage as one person is, like is really intense <laughs> is yeah. what, and that's but but um you know what i'm kind of like uh like i've played to know i know like i don't mean to sound self-deprecating but but i've played i've been playing live like my whole life and i've played to no one plenty of times <laughs> people not paying attention and i don't care i just have fun and those who are connecting with it connect in a real way and i just kind of look for yeah. that but i remember i ha i didn't have great seats for uh in 2012 at chastain in atlanta like for the duran part but i like snuck up to the front during <laughs> during your show i'm like somebody's gonna pay attention damn it <laughs> God, that's no great. not that they weren't you know what i mean 
no, of course. I mean, no one's there like MNDR or Durandra. Oh, I'm going to put it like I did go to see, the only reason I went to the Ting Ting show is because you're opening now in 2012 yeah. or whatever. Although they were way better than I thought they'd be live to. The, yeah, they're, they're, they're amazing. Great show. Yeah, really great show. Um, the scariest part about filling in with them for the, for Nick on the first show is I was totally scared and like and tired and then um I was like what if we do the chauffeur and I can't remember like, ah, like <laughs> you start so- this at the wrong time everyone would know immediately yeah, <laughs> did, you like, have, did you ever mess up like and do anything like noticeable that yes you remember? yes like especially on um dance into the fire that re- like the, yeah like like there's like samples in that record that I'm triggering right that are just like completely like like super syncopated and there's one and and they're not regular like they're unique to how Nick played them Mm -hmm. in the original recording and which is how they perform that record and or that song and so it's like (laughs) I messed that up like a bunch that's towards the beginning of the set so you got got that out of the way yeah and then um the but the thing that was super nerve-wracking is like because it was such short notice like i had to provide my own uh wardrobe for the first show and like i hadn't been on tour for a second and maybe not in tour shape (laughs) so like i had to just kind of like cobble like a cool-ish look together and and like wasn't it like a white suit or something for that first or for most of them sort of it well the yeah i had a white jacket and then they have this amazing wardrobe uh person jeffrey who can literally made me trousers out of um curtains (laughs) and they're the best trousers i hope you still have them (laughs) yes and so um but then they whipped together the look and got it all like together i mean i looked fine but i like you can't like go on stage with Duran Duran and look like an asshole. <laughs> like, <laughs> like chic, you know? Yeah. You yes. look chic. Yeah, but we made it through there. You did. Um, well, all, all the Duranis, thank you for your <laughs> for all that work you put in. Also, um, I was scared that the Duranis would hate me. And they didn't. They all loved no. me. Yeah. They I mean I, I remember. Not, like, like, I don't tweeting. mean like they all loved me, but they embraced it because yeah. I it's Nick is a legend of the band. Yeah. All the Durannies were so gracious to me online. And after I got to know a lot of them, mm-hmm. a lot of them that go to all the shows that tour with the band, that follow the, the band. And um, I was worried about that because it's like Nick Rhodes. Founding I Rhodes. know people were confused, like what's going on? I'm like, we don't need to know. There's no reason. But, you know, I think people were confused why he was gone. But they were also like, great, let's ex- get to know her a little bit, you know, try to make her feel safe. Because <laughs> it had to be, I just had to be so terrifying, yet rewarding, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, one of the, I, sometimes I think like, I'll never have that experience again, yeah. you know? Well, like, imagine even cool. like 10 years ago, if somebody had said, you will play with Duran Duran on stage, on <laughs> tour. <laughs> I would be like, sure. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, sounds like I'm doing that. Like. <laughs> Okay, so I have um, a little set of questions that I ask every, or versions of these that I ask everybody that I interview. So I want to just go over a few of these. You can make your answers as short as you want or elaborate as much as you want. 
What yeah. is your first memory of music? Like, did it come from family members, radio, TV? Not your music, but just any music. What was your, what's your first thing you remember? Yeah, so, okay, so I, I grew up on a farm in North Dakota. My dad's a farmer. We grew up on a farm, and uh, he's a musician. He was actually, um, in the 60s, he was, like, in a Blue-Eyed Soul band that did, like, cover songs, like, kind of like the Guess Who sort of, you know, they did like medallies of songs in, in, in a soul way. So we had a lot of music going on growing up and my dad had a lot of bands and people were making music. And by the time I was around, he was doing like a lot of Eagles covers and kind of seventies, eighties kind of. So there was like, always music in your house. It wasn't even like it had to come from outside at all. Yeah. Oh yeah. Always. And then I took, you know, piano and like, singing and like tons of of lessons like saxophone I mean like just guitar bass by the time I was 12 I was proficient and probably like three four three four instruments and but it wasn't weird it was just like super normal for where I grew up and the we uh and then I played my dad is a really great he's a great singer and I played piano for him for weddings or funerals or at church or whatever you know that's yeah i yeah. think my first memory was playing my sister's abba records yes <laughs> i remember the statler brothers my dad played the statler brothers and uh yes. captain antonio and abba were the first things that i found but, okay. but can, I, can i tell you the music yeah. that made the biggest impression on me like there's always music around but the i remember watching sitting under my dad's arm and watching the video for um remain in light for oh talking. wow yeah yes that's a good start okay yeah. so what is your first memory of music that was or became mndr like how did the first time you're like this is this i think like when i wrote this song uh with peter called the sparrow voices i like i really felt like that was you knew that was needed its own place. Yeah, and and I I I think and this is something that that Simon actually said to me. I come from like the era where artists have like a really unique voice or uh, 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 their own way of singing, their own way of seeing things. Where you know I I think trends change and and now we're kind of era where we're in a great vocalist area era where people are just like really great vocalists but like I love like Susie Sue and I love like these voices that are quirky yeah. like Bjork yeah. Cindy Lauper I mean yeah and in Simon too I think it's like yeah. a great vocalist but untraditional but recognizable right away and I think one of the kindest things he ever said to me was he said you have your own voice and your own way of singing and it's really cool he said that yeah. to me I'm much more impressed by voices like you the ones you mentioned in yours rather than someone who can just sing the notes perfectly I'm like I get that that that's important and it's talent but yeah. just not quite as interesting to me you know yeah, I, I think I like the wrong in people's art, art the tech that makes me connect because it feels more vulnerable or, or yeah. I understand their perspective a little bit more. But I love hearing a great singer too. I don't yeah. Know. Whitney Houston, I mean, yeah. 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 Okay, what, here's a hard one. What do you believe is the single most important moment for MNDR, the group or the artist or you personally, whatever, a single, an album, a rebirth, any one particular thing that is the most important thing 
whether it be at the beginning or something that sparked your creativity again, or maybe this new album, I don't know. What's the single most important moment? Um, in, in the span of MDR, mm-hmm. I think is my David Letterman performance of Femi Diamonds. I was really okay. proud of that. That, that was terrifying and, and, and I was really proud of that. He, and he, he loved it, which meant a lot to me because that's he doesn't a big always song like too. music. Like, I mean, it's a lot going on in that song emotionally, sort of. So Yes. And we did a string arrangement and he came over and he kissed my hand and, and I about died because <laughs> I knew he really loved it. You know what I mean? And you kind of want to impress David Letterman, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, so that humbly saying, and my dad was there. And then we had a big after party and my dad held court. And I, I think that was like one of the greatest moments of my life for sure. Um, okay, so this one is, I ask everyone, and it's nearly impossible, if pressed, what would you say is your favorite song by any artist? And I know, I know it could probably change tomorrow or... Any artist's favorite song in general. For today, let's say. Okay, for, let's just say... You could change today. it tomorrow. <laughs> you know what? And I've been listening to tons of, tons of music right now. Like, but let me... Okay, hold on, because I just have to make sure I get the name of this right. Because I've been listening to loads of Nick Drake, the folk artist. Um, Hazy Jane, too. But that's for today. You're right, right. That's for today. <laughs> you Don't can, make me Sophie's Choice. You like, can tweet out a different one each day. No, wait, this one. Um, okay, then here's an even maybe harder question. If pressed, uh, what, would you, what do you think is your favorite MNDR song? Is it what you're currently doing usually or yeah, I mean, yes. yeah, good. That's, I think that's what it should be. You should be most excited yes. by what you're doing right now. I'm so excited about this album. Like I am very excited. It's hard for me to push the timeline back just emotionally, but, but um, I'm, there's two songs on this album where I'm, where there's a song called gone and there's a song called eyes light up that I'm just like beyond excited about. Good. I can't wait. All right. Um, and last one, what is the legacy that you would like MNDR, the music, your the visuals you put out, the music? What do you want that if someone 100 year, 50 years from now, 100 years from now says MNDR, what do you want them to think about? What do you want them to, what do you want to leave the world? Oh, um, I think what I want to leave the world with is like, I I never compromised my vision and I got to throw a little pebble into the water and the ripples connected with 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 some people maybe not everyone but the people that I did connect with it connected in a real way and I'm really I'm really proud of that and I hope to continue doing that I can't wait what is the name of the new album Hell to be you baby but we're going to be releasing singles all the way up. Okay. So there's going to be new music like coming out um, the entire time that we're doing this. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all I have for you. I mean, well, I could talk for six more hours, but um, anything you want to leave the D-Side listeners with? I just want to say that like the D-Side listeners has tons of like drannies that, that, interact and are following and i just want to say 
all of you are like family to me, my online family. I've met a lot of you on the road and it's just like through Duran Duran and through that connection. And I just can't say thank you enough for like continuing to support me and to patiently wait for this album. Um, and tour, hopefully. Yes, of course. Yes. yes. Okay, good. Yeah, that's like where the scramble is like, oh God. But yeah. yes, tour and, um, and I'm really, I'm like so grateful for that. And, you know, just, my mailing list is really active. I, I hate to be such a plugger right now, but uh, that's what we're know, here for too. Um, obviously, Spotify and the and the Instagram is, you know, my MNDR underscore official. My Twitter MNDR, Spotify MNDR, um, and then my mailing list. You can sign up on my website MNDR dot com. Uh, but we're we're constantly releasing new music and um, up until the album. And I just thank you for waiting for Hell to Be You, baby. I, I, I hope it lives up to everyone. <laughs> and I thought it was a long wait for Feed Me Diamonds. <laughs> no, I know. It'll be worth it. Just so you know, I'm never, uh, I'm, uh, after Hell to Be You, baby, I've already started work on the third um the third album so well, it, i can tell you this durannies are known duran duran has a thing we all call duran time where when they say it's out in spring we know that means fall of the next year so we're quite used to it so you're you're in good company so okay amazing um okay. so good to talk to you all stay right healthy. so thank you so much and stay safe and you, you too and thank you thank you for having me no problem thank you bye, bye. As I said, that was recorded in March. Part two is available right now, recorded just last week. And we talk about new music, her new album, and the world we live in and life in general.